ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16, building the Mount Rushmore of pets, and continuing our talks about immigration. I am Molly Kingston, your producer and fourth chair panelist. Unfortunately, Pastor Ben Kingston is not joining us tonight because of sickness. Please keep him in your prayers so that he gets better. Um, but we do have Dr. Gavin Hooks in the second chair. Where would you relocate, Uncle Gavin, if you were forced to leave the country? Oh, the country. Yep. Uh, I had the a couple country. of pla- I had something in mind. I had so something immediately yeah, come to yeah. mind. <laughs> <laughs> as far as in the United States, uh, relocate out of the country, um, maybe Vancouver. Okay. I mean, yeah. Maybe too far. In Canada. Yeah. Where, where was the place that came to your mind immediately? Washington State. Oh, okay. In the States. In, yeah. I've heard it's Pacific very Northwest wet, but beautiful. nice up there. Yes. Yes. And then, uh, finally, we have our third chair panelist, Ryan Mayberry. Where would you relocate if you had to leave the country? I honestly, I've ne- it's never even crossed my mind, so I couldn't, for any good reason, give you one. I, c- I mean, I could name you any could just random randomly country. Ma- right, sure. Yeah. Where was the first place that came to your mind, though, when uh, before I said country? Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee is where you would relocate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Both good states. Um, I said I personally would go to Europe. As a con- like and travel the continent and then settle somewhere in Sweden mm-hmm. in a mountain town because those are beautiful. Europe is beautiful too. Europe is extremely beautiful. Um, so those in the audience, if, if you would like to share your own answers about where you would relocate if you had to leave the country, please text them to the number on the screen and I will share them throughout the show. This also goes for any other topic we are discussing and you have something that you want to share with us, we will try to mention it when we can. Um, also, if you are listening online, you can like and share the Facebook page and comment your answers in the comment section below. Um, we are going, well, so tonight, like I said, we are covering Ephesians 2, chap, or verses 11 through 16. And I'm going to pull up, Dad has texted me his notes, so I'm going to pull up what he has, and then we can go from there. I'll read the verses first. So this is, again, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And that was King James Version, and I could tell. You gotta hack it out. Yes, yes. So, um, Dad likes to break it down, but I kind of just take two, I I got two things from this reading. And the first one is that Jesus Christ is our peace. It's mentioned twice in verses 14 and in verse 15. um, Talking both about when he was crucified and um, resurrected, and then when we're saved, he becomes our peace. So that that was one thing that stuck out to me. Is there something that you guys would like to share? So the, since I, the book that I, I wrote, The Core Principle, 
almost every passage of scripture gets passed through that filter. And if it's like loving God to love other people, which is, I've said that over and over again, then it makes perfect sense that Christ has a ministry of reconciliation of one people to another, and that his work started putting people together of different nationalities, of different, even of different uh, cultural backgrounds. The, the circumcision and the uncirc uncircumcision are put together in, into one people, one building, he calls it. And he's continually building that. Everybody that comes to Christ is now becoming part of a unified structure and is continually moving forward right. in, in his temple building with him being the chief cornerstone. We read that, I think, a little bit later. The, one of the Old Testament scriptures that keeps coming to mind um, that was a prophecy of Christ was of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Christ's government is based on that core principle, love God, love others, and the increase of its influence will never stop. And this is just another manifestation of how that works. Everybody that comes to Christ and becomes part of the, the church, becomes part of his body, um, becomes part of the temple, increases the size of his government, and that, that government influence is based on love, mm -hmm. on a, a mutual love for one another. Right, that, and I kind of snagged on that too, the whole uncircumcision and the circumcision thing, where the Israelites were set apart because of their um, act or tradition of circumcision, and that was like the big thing that they were wanting the Gentiles who were saved now to do that as well, to mark them a part of their, of, of the Israel, of Israel. But here, you know, he's saying that it's not circumcision that marks you as a Christian. It is salvation and the love of God that marks you as a Christian. Um, so that was, I agree with that. And that we're all being grafted is the word that I've always heard, you know, into his, his kingdom and his people. Do you know how long after Jesus taught this concept <coughs> that Ephesians was written by chance, Gavin? I, I do not know what order Ephesians comes gotcha. in the New Testament. Sure. I was just curious because the one thing that stuck out to me was in the verse 11. It says, therefore, remember, but why would they have forgotten? So uh, it got me thinking there's two reasons that I could think of that they would have forgotten. One, if it had been a while and they hadn't set up any reminders for themselves. But then the other reason would be more like what we face today and why we have trouble remembering, which is uh, you hear opposing views constantly, you know, shoved down your throat, and uh, I feel like that was more of the case, but I was just curious of the timing. I'm not entirely positive on the timing either. Um, I'm assuming it's part of Paul's, wasn't it a three-year missionary journey that he took? And so I'm assuming it was actually probably close to the end of that, but I don't know how that corresponds with mm. the teaching of um, Gentiles. Oh, I'm sorry, we're getting text and I'll read those in just a second um, the other thing that I snagged on was where we were once excluded we were now included so again it's just along the same theme of they used to be separate from us and now because of Christ's sacrifice we can all be included in his in his body and in his um, reward yeah Google says Ephesians was written towards the end of Paul's life so then after the missionary journey, probably, and mm -hmm. uh, 
a refresher from his, yeah. his being there. So. 11 through 16. You oh. did. Okay, good. Just making sure. The Ministry of Reconciliation, we're, we're part of it. Reconciling, of course, the, the fall was the great separation, and now the, the rest of the work is all reconciling people to God and to each other. Right. He also hit on the by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. This was a huge thing um, for the Jews specifically, but I think even now, today, you know, when we say that God is the God of love, so he loves us and accepts us for anything, no matter what we do or no matter who we are. While it is true that he loves us and he has abolished the law, I think it's still, I mean, we still know that we have to follow the law in order to be set apart from the world. Why? Hmm. Which part? So wh why do why we have do we to have follow, to the, follow law? the law? Like the Ten Commandments? Or his commandments. What, why, what do we, so the New Testament has a set of, of new commandments. This, a new commandment I leave with you, love one another. Right. Um, but he didn't discount the, the old, old commandments. commandments either. So well, it, why, why do we have to follow the commands? It's a trick question. Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, and, and you tricked me, so I'm trying <laughs> to think it through. Be because obedience to the, the law, to his commands, is a demonstration of love. Mm. So, so when Christ says, uh, if you love me, follow, follow my, my commandments, commandments. Follow, follow my words, and uh, was it a, uh, John 14, 21, um, mm. he that loves me obeys me, and I, I will reveal myself to him. Right. And so the, the cycle of Christian growth is you know Christ, so you love him. You love him, so you obey him. So he reveals more of himself to you after you obey. That's all in John 14, 21. And when, when you obey him, he reveals more. So you love him more, so you obey him more, so he reveals more. It's the cycle of Christian growth. Right, and you would rather want to be in that cycle than the cycle of repentance. Amen. Blessing, fall away, spanking, repent. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I was going to, we got a text in from Terry Yerke saying, yes, that Ephesians 2, 4 is the biggest but in the Bible. So this is um, calling back to last week's verses. And I forgot to bring that up. I had it highlighted, but I did forget to bring it up where it starts off saying, telling us who we were when we were dead in trespasses and sin. And then saying, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive through Christ. Um, so that was the biggest but, one way to remember it. And then there was another thing that I missed too, was, which was the biggest run-on sentence in, in the Bible as well, which Paul is really good at. A lot of commas. He doesn't like periods. He likes commas. <laughs> he has a t hard time finishing, finishing a thought. Yes, or he has so much he wants to shove into one thought <laughs> there. All right, well... We're moving on probably way too fast if we don't have anything more to say about these verses. Yep, our fearless leaders not here tonight. The talkative one. I'm just kidding. The, the scriptural one. The, yes. <laughs> Scripture expert. <laughs> well, he said he would send me his notes, and his notes just contained the verses. So <laughs> we got that. Go. They yeah. speak for yeah. themselves. That was That's just the segment is us reading it to you. Um. Well, we can move on and we can fill time later. I do have a text from Kenny saying that he would move to Sweden as well if he had to relocate. 
There you go. We're going to move on um, to the Mount Rushmore segment, and today we're building the Mount Rushmore of pets. Oh, and I lost my fourth pet. Oh, there it is. Okay. I feel like you got, with me and Gavin, the two opposite extremes, because <laughs> he's the vet, and I'm the one who's not big on pets. So right, right. It'd be interesting. Yeah, uh, well, interesting and I'm kind of the same way with a dad. Like, I could do without pets my whole life, and mm. he has all of them, so... Well, let's start but with the but vet he then. he eats his pets. He eats his pets. So I don't really think count. he has pets. He has livestock. Yes. Yeah, yeah. there is a difference. <laughs> he doesn't think there's a difference, but there is a difference. So, Uncle Gavin, what is your Mount Rushmore of pets? So this is an order from four to one. Mm-hmm. Number four, goldfish. Okay. No okay. maintenance. Yes. You just look at them. You don't have to pet them. Well, you, you do have to clean up after them, I guess, but... Yeah. So number four. Number two, rats. Now, I'm not really? a fan of the rat. No. But a lot of my clients are, and they s they are so over the top in love with them. It's crazy. It's almost sick to watch. Uh, so rats. Well, I feel like it's because you have to be a very special person to want a rat <laughs> as a pet. <laughs> yes. So, so as far as popularity goes and people who own rats, there's none more devoted. Yeah. Than, than rats. You would have to be because of all the backlash. When people find out you have you pet rats, rats, you would have to be dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come to your house. I smell, I smell rodents. <laughs> you know, when you come, come to the house. No, no, that's normal here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that's just scary. <laughs> uh, so number two, number three, cats. Mm -hmm. Also uh, low maintenance. So pretty low maintenance. Um, they live life on their own terms. Uh, a lot of people are devoted to them as, as much as they would any other pet. Um, and it, they're just super fun to watch when they're young. Mm -hmm. Kitten kittens are my, my uh, when I retire, I'm going to start the all kitten channel, kit, kittens playing, and I'm sure it's going to carry me through retirement. It uh, definitely will. Put and it'll be the first one. Yes. I'll say I'm pretty sure there <laughs> is. I'm going to move it to number one, yeah. Right. I'm pretty sure there is a, a vet that records all of his, like, patients. And so he does pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of channels like that. I um, think so. so. So number one, of course, is dogs. Dogs, you can't beat dogs for a uh, pet. And if you're into the interaction with your pet, I think a dog is the probably the top. Probably. You can train them. They know the words you're saying. They know the commands you're saying. Um, my uh, Penny, my dog, knows when I'm. she's going to get time to play ball by the order in which I do things. So if I go out to get the, my other dog outside to bring her in, before I feed her, she knows that she's going to play ball, and she just goes nuts. She's barking, jumping at the door. Um, I'll record it for you maybe and show it next week. But uh, whenever it's ball time, she goes absolutely crazy. And she knows when I'm angry. If I get cut off in traffic, she sinks down in the seat. Like, <laughs> he's, he's getting angry. Uh, t tone of my voice, uh, when I yell at the other dog, of course, she's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to die. We're going to die. So, so number one dog. Yes. We just go on and on, but I won't. I mean, we have time. You could. Okay. <laughs> and I, I would just say, if you're going to get a dog, if you're thinking about having a dog, the first year you have them is the most important, important. and do everything with them. Even if it's, you know, you take them on a car ride with you, go to the park with them, everything you do in the first year, do it with them, and they'll be the best pet for the rest of your life. Your best friend. All right. That's your tip for the day. Thanks. We'll let Ryan go ahead while you work on your mic. Okay, you keeps, keeps working sorry. towards me here. Yeah, you're going to have to, like, get 
Yeah, I put it on the wrong side. Go ahead, Ryan. All right, so the first one I had was fish because I, I always have, like, fish. I'm not big on pets in general, but I do like to have fish. Uh, second one is a dog because they could serve a purpose as a guard dog. And the third one is a rock, low-maintenance <laughs> pet rock. Also, I thought about making really stupid jokes about rocks and Mount Rushmore, but I figured I better not do that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and then I had to fill the fourth slot somehow, so I put a cat. That's how much of a party pooper I am on this Okay, so, so I think we got three out of the four, Ryan. <laughs> I also said Pet Rock was my first one because low maintenance. <laughs> you don't have to do anything with them. A fish, because low maintenance. A cat, because low maintenance. And then a horse, which is not low maintenance at all, but it is my dream animal, like pet. I've always wanted a horse, hmm. so I had to put it on the Mount Rushmore of pets, even though it's not low maintenance. Fair enough. Yeah, it was completely opposite of all my other ones and then I do have dad's which um, he had I don't know what order his is in Ooh, but you <laughs> he had the dog on his a snake a fish and then chicken or chickens not you can't just have one chicken typically it's multiple chickens so he actually didn't but those are actually good pets Surprising. I, I've had a few clients that had chickens as pets, and it was kind of a strange relationship. I yeah. Mean, you can't potty train a no, chicken. No, you can't. Is that and like a and leash and they, they situation, too? Yeah, you know, we had a turkey when I was a little kid that the, uh, the lady we bought it from would literally sit on the couch and watch TV with it and stuff. <laughs> it, was, it was really weird because it was, it was so used to people. It would just follow you around yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So again, if you guys want to text in, even if it's just your most um, – your best animal or the best animal that you think makes a pet, you can send that in instead of all four. I did get a text from Randy. I don't understand it. So if you would like to explain that more, Randy, I, w I, will, re I will read it. Or I can just say it's – I don't even know if I know how to – Dr. Poles, P-O-L-S? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dr. Poles. Uh, Tell me – explain he's that. He's the veterinarian on uh, Oh, on TV who does videos. Yes. Okay, he, he okay, okay. He does okay. everything, every animal. So he, from all livestock, pets, he does it all. Okay. The well amazing Dr. Pole. I just yeah. needed to share the text. I, I'm an uncultured swine. Okay. So our mystery topic. We get to decide who gets to do our mystery topic. We're back to all four of us. Of course, Dad's not here. Uh, you have to count me out. If you got one, go. I, I didn't get one. Oh. I, I, thought, I thought we were still in the last rotation, so I had already done mine. Oh, no. Dad, or whoever did it last, I think it was Dad, was... Oh, oh good. It's happened on my... No! Oh, no! no. <laughs> well, we can't go, really Kevin, unless you can come up with one right now. I don't have a really well thought out one, so I'll pass. Okay. I'll warn you, mine's short, and we're already ahead on time. <laughs> so if you have a long one, you better go with yours. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> oh, look at me. <laughs> oh, I was just going to do rock, paper, scissors, but it sounds like it's me, anyways. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not sure how long mine will take, and I should have. Oh, no. I got it here. Okay. For a second, I thought I didn't have everything I needed. So um, I think I've, well, I know I've talked to both of you guys at different times about my random uh, plot bunnies or uh, thought bunnies from the Bible. And this is one of them. Um, we were, me, Megan and Sarah were doing our devotional Monday night and it covered the Tower of Babel. And there's a lot of questions about that story that I have, but um I have one in particular that I just kind of wanted to talk about tonight. I'm going to start with reading the section, though. And this is found in Genesis 11, um, verses 1 through 9. 
So now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain um, and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone for, um, and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. For there the Lord scattered them from over the face of the earth. So my main question or what we were curious about is why being of one language we would be impossible so if we all spoke the lord said if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this then they the nothing they plan they to do will be impossible for them why why was that something god feared being god I've always wondered that myself, too, and the best I've been able to come up with is because it says uh, nothing will be withheld from them, and I don't think that's good for anybody for nothing to be withheld from you to, to always get whatever you want. I don't know if that's exactly what they're going for, mm. but that's the best <laughs> The best I've got on it. So isn't it interesting we got a, your mystery topic is the instance where God separated man and s sent him to all different parts of the earth, and we just finished the verse on reconciliation of reunite, reuniting right. man. So I, I think the differences in what we, they were being united in on their own. So to establish a world that is absent of God, I think, was part of the problem. And God had a lot more in his plan than for, for man to just build a uh, super civilization uh, that excluded him from the very beginning. This is very early in, in yeah, the timeline. Yeah, it was right after the flood. There's a lot more story to write there. And sending people, uh, confusing language and separating them wasn't damaging to them. It was put, turning them in a direction where there would be discovery that they would never have potentially done. Um, developments of culture, developments of uh, art, music, discovery um, that would may have all happened at one time without God's involvement in yeah. it. Um, so. I don't think he he's not against the the free will of man, right? But the free will of man unified would have been a bad thing early on. Um, no telling what kind of destruction could have come from that too, right? Um, but to build a world without God was at that point I think would have shortcut what God's plan was for the rest of the world, for the people who would be ultimately be in heaven, who who he would ultimately win back through the blood of his son. So Right. And see that's why I kinda wanted to put this in front of the panel because in my mind it always immediately went to we were a threat. And because like we were getting together and like you said, it was an action against God. They were trying to be better than God on their own. And that's why they wanted to build this huge tower or this huge city, whether it was just a tower or a, an actual city. And uh, so it was like, he's, you know, in my mind, it's like he sees us doing this and he's like, oh, no, this is not good. 
they're going to overrun me, which I know is not true. That's why I was like, yeah, so I how, how do I reconcile this? I, I don't think he was threatened at all. I think he was concerned about the outcome with him being excluded. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, with God's influence being um, taken out of man's doings, we're, we're going to have a world like that at some point in the future. When, when the church is taken out, when his people are taken out, we're going to see the ultimate uh, culmination of that. But we, we would have gone, I, I'm presuming that Babel would have gone just right to that end, right. uh, the exclusion of God, as, without without all the other history, without all the other development of peoples and nations and tongues and the, the, the richness of life that we, we know. Right. Um, so, so could we assume that another flood situation would have had to have happened to split up the city? I mean, like he went this yeah. route obviously, and it, it met so the ends that needed to be met. So the, if we would take what's going to happen in the end times and put it then so it would have been everybody would have been under the control of one authority mm -hmm. and there would have been no freedom at that mm -hmm. point so everybody would have had to uh, be in alignment with the authority and that government so that would have been destructive in its own end yeah. to to um, to the experience of mankind god made us free for a very important reason so that we might understand him and discover him and know what real love is uh, when you have a choice so yeah, I could see that going dark really quick. Um, early on, especially that's before we have the Ten Commandments, before we have the, the development of Israel as a nation. Um, what guidance would there have been other than power, uh, raw power prevails? Right, right. Okay, very good. Just a thought. Um, we have a little bit more time. And so the other thought that I kind of wanted to talk about was, or that it hits on, I've gotten this conspiracy theory from other verses as well but the whole one language I've always been interested in knowing what that one language was and I don't think we'll know until heaven but I'm you know I'm assuming it was the same language that God spoke t with Adam in and so you know I, in my mind I consider it God's language like that's how God spoke to human first and so that's how they continued to speak um, of course, at this point, there were a few hundred, if not thousands of years in history it could have developed or evolved or devolved in certain ways. Um, but I've always wondered if, well, and here's, the, here, here's my question, is like, God is God, is God. he can do anything, but how did he make it to where they all spoke different languages in that, did he take away that, the knowledge of that one language and gave them different languages, or did he hide that knowledge from them in their brain so like inherently if we ever heard that language we would understand it but we don't know we understand it or can speak it because it's like hidden in our in the gray matter mm. of our brains and so that's why i've wondered too is like is this the language like when we get to heaven obviously we could just understand what people are saying yeah. but will it be because we're speaking in this language as well and, and it's, again, not something that we have to learn but already inherently have. Yeah, ju just real quick, Christina Fogg was just saying that God intervened and sent them on their way to save themselves from themselves. Yeah. And that's an excellent point. Uh, who knows what destruction they could have done to themselves just trying to keep everybody in line and, uh, and obedient. Yeah. But this language thing is an interesting thought because I've been watching these near-death experiences on YouTube. I know it's 
cra it's a crazy, uh, almost curiosity that's come to me. The, the stories of people who have died and come back, the stories right. they give, they all are, many are from different countries, but they all relate uh, understanding what was being said in heaven without any trouble or right. any interpreter needed. So I, I don't know. I don't know if, it, if there's a, a, a communication that is, is thought-based that right. uh, pe people will ultimately understand what's being said. Uh, I, I'm convinced that the language of the Bible will be the basis for, our, um, at least for our culture, that will be based on, on the scriptures. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how the confusion happened. So I don't also, also don't know how God limited us to 70 years because at one point we're... Right, exactly. Long. At some point I, you took something genetically out or... Yes, um, yes. I've always just liked to say it's the oxygen. Like when the flood happened, yeah. it changed the atmosphere. Yeah. So we have more oxygen than we used to. And we're, we're oxidizing every time we breathe. Mm -hmm. We burn by oxygen. I like mm -hmm. that theory. I don't think it has much medical basis, <laughs> but I just like to think it. Good as any. Yeah, uh, conspiracy. So yeah, the the, the language thing is interesting. Uh, uh, the other side of that is you can you can trace a lot of languages back to s to root languages oh, too. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if there's one that they all go back to. I don't, I don't, a linguist would have to tell you that. Uh, that would so. be an interesting topic to look into. Is how is is how far back they can go in languages. All right. Anything else? So you brought up people dying and seeing heaven and coming back. I've always been curious about that. I've always been very skeptical because to me it seems strange that God would let you into heaven and then let somebody <clears throat> basically rip you back out by doing CPR on you. So I've always always been curious about that. Have you in your looking into it, what's your you think it's <clears throat> excuse me, do you think they're seeing things? Do you think they're actually going to heaven and coming back? Do you think God's just not done with them yet? Yeah. I haven't passed judgment on it yet, because yeah. <laughs> some of them, some of them sound pretty hokey, mm -hmm. and and some of them sound genuine and and sound. Um, they make the case that they saw things that they couldn't have seen uh, if they were when they were clinically dead, and they they heard the doctors talking and things like that. All that, wh whether it truly happens or not, if there's life after death, then it certainly could mm -hmm. as a possibility. Um, so so. From individual to individual, I have different feelings about whether it's it's real or not. And uh, there, there's only one God. There can only be one God. Logically speaking, there can only be one God. So, so they're having some. If it's an afterlife experience, it's with the same God because they ha all report this overwhelming feeling of love and warmth, uh, almost to almost to a person, um, ha have that experience. So, hmm. yeah. Just curious. Yeah. I, We'll know when we get there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and the more I hear about it, the more I kind of lean towards the whole dimension theory where like heaven is not necessarily a place in the stars, but it is simply a different dimension in the yeah. same, you know, realm that yeah. we are. So thinking of it as simply moving from one dimension to another, I think is a lot more feasible. I don't know, feasible, if that's mm -hmm. even the right word to use. It makes more sense than thinking that they were, you know, shot up to heaven for a few seconds and then shot back down into mm -hmm. their body. Almost all of them report some kind of travel, not, mm. not like it's they go they go through a, a tunnel, they they go through a, uh, yeah. a light or a doorway, and somebody that they know greets them. Mm. In a lot of cases, sometimes it's just a, a an, um, an escort that comes and tells them that your you know your life is over. Right, right. You know. yeah. Anyway, okay. nothing can be proven on no, that. No, right. It's of just course. interesting that many have similar 
stories and par portions of their stories. It gives a little bit more validity to the stories when multiple people have had that same experience because that's the scientific method when you have multiple people trying the same experiments and then having the same results. Yep. yep. So there you go. Reporting the same things. Yes. All right, we're going to move on to the Would You Rather segment. So I will start. I have my first one is, well, let's, I'm going to do my second one because it's around the same time period. I just asked, would you rather have lived before the flood, like still in the Old Testament time, but before the flood or after the flood? Before meaning not that you died in the flood, right? Well... <laughs> Let's I mean, qualify this. Yeah. How far before <laughs> the flood? Yeah. yeah, okay. Let's say you didn't die in the flood. Okay. So you wouldn't have died before the flood happened. Either way, I would probably say after. Because if it was such a wretched place that God had to flood the whole earth yeah. to wipe everything out, I'm pretty sure I'd rather be after. Yeah, after the flood, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would just be before so I could live that long. I just would like to experience that long of a life. If I, I wish I could visit before the flood. Sure. And then, yeah. Sure. Okay, and then my next one was, oh, would you rather be a morning bird, a night owl, or a perpetually tired pigeon? <laughs> and I was a night owl until I was about 50, mm -hmm. and I'm per a perpetually tired pigeon now. Yeah. So new levels of exhaustion all the time. <laughs> Exploring the, the depths of exhaustion. <laughs> to see how far you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I'm follow me. Definitely a morning person. If, I, if I'm up past 9 o'clock on a weekday, I'm just exhausted. But then I can get up as early as I need to, and it's not really too much of a problem. If I am getting paid to wake up, I like waking up. Like when I worked at McDonald's, I would much rather have the morning shift, even though I have to wake up at 3 o'clock. I would much mm. rather do that. Oh, thank you. But if I'm not getting paid, I'm not waking up, and I'm a night owl. <laughs> and I'm staying up until 3 a.m. Mm. and then going to sleep. Night owl. Yeah, I'd much rather... Best time to read, best time to... Yeah, it's just so quiet, and I have more focus because no one's... So my thing is, like, if I stay up late at night, I'm tired the whole time I'm trying to do things so that I can't enjoy it. But if I get up early, then I've still got the whole rest of the day ahead of me, and I'm not... I, I don't know why, it, but I always felt like I was stealing time. The later I stayed up, mm. I was, like, sneaking time to, to myself and... I guess I'm kind of the same in the opposite way, because if I was sleeping in, then I'm giving up that time that I could be having yeah. otherwise. So, yeah. <laughs> Different perspective. Different perspective, thing. right. Exactly. Uh, I will read Dad's. He has, would you rather live out Jonathan's life or Jonathan's armor bearer's life? So would you rather be Jonathan or his armor bearer? Not knowing who Jonathan is off the top of my head, I would probably say Jonathan rather than Saul, the guy I'm carrying his Son armor around. Yeah, gotcha. And Saul's son. Because if you're the guy with the armor, that's a lot cooler than the guy carrying the armor. <laughs> uh, but Jonathan died tragically in battle. Of course, you could assume that his armor his bearer armor died bearer too. Down too. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be Infamously. either. I prefer not to be either. That'd be a good yeah, way to go, though, you know, back then. Rather than in die from a disease honor, that there's no yeah. cure for. Leprosy. Yeah. 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 Go out with honor. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather be Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. you'd rather, rather be Jonathan. I, I would rather have been David's friend. True, but then you also had Saul as a dad. True. Yeah. Um, all right. What about you guys? So, Jonathan. No, no, no. Do you have oh, a would you rather? <laughs> oh, would you, would you <laughs> rather? oh, yeah. Mine's, mine's simple. Would you rather get off early on Friday or go to work l late on Monday? Sleep in on Monday. Sleep in. 
Get ready to sleep in on Monday. Yep. Get off early. I'd rather get off early on Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get, let that well, party right. start. Let's get that party started early. No, because I could stay up later because I don't have to go on Saturday. <laughs> so, the, you know, the party can last for forever on, on Friday night. And then I get to sleep in on Monday and sleep mm-hmm. off whatever. I just don't feel like I could get up and do anything constructive, fun on, on Monday. Monday morning. Yeah. Sleeping in, I guess, would be constructive. Right? Yeah, especially <laughs> okay. if you've partied all weekend. <laughs> With the Lord, obviously. Amen. What about you, Ryan? Okay, so what, um, this is during the day, not while you're trying to sleep. Would you rather be hot or cold? During the day. Cold, all the time. All day. I'm not, not while you're trying to sleep, because everyone likes to be cold while they're sleeping. No one likes yeah, to most, sweat all Most day. people, yeah. Cold. cold. I'd still rather be cold. Cold, cold. It'd definitely be hot for me. I'll take mm-hmm. 100 degrees over 30 any day oh of wow. the week. Yeah. Yeah. You're weird. <laughs> <laughs> I have disagreed on pretty much everything you've said. Yeah. yeah. Different strokes. Yeah. Right, exactly. Disagreeance is good on this. Okay. And you also don't have an inch of fat on you. So I <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was that's thinking. All, yeah, all yeah, the insulation. I carry my own heater, so yeah. I would rather it be cold because I'm already can't hot. can't get rid of heat. <laughs> you know. Okay, awesome. Well, let's move on. To our last segment, it's the precarious moment chapters, 17, 18, and 19. I We're going to finish up with 16 and just two things. I think the only things we didn't get to um, was how the founders believed that not only was assimilation a big thing, but also that it should take a considerable amount of time so that those, the immigrants who um, were over here should live in the country, re- establish a residency for at least five years before becoming a citizen. Um, and their early immigration laws also supported these things and the other principles that we talked about or that they expressed in their writings. Um, so the immigration laws penned in 1790, 1795, and 1798 um, all have things like this, that the immigrant must have good moral character the immigrant must not only support the Constitution and our government and laws, but also renounce allegiance to any other nation or loyalty to another system. The immigrant must believe in the equality of all Americans and renounce any title of nobility. There must be a residency requirement of five years in the United States before citizenship. The children of a naturalized citizen also become citizens at the same time. No anchor babies. So citizenship goes from parents to child, not child to parent. Security risks can be deported and permanently banned from the United States, and the government must protect the borders during times of war. States would have, and that states would have a definite role in immigration. So those those were the main characteristics of the early immigration laws. Do you guys have anything you want to say about that? So uh, I- as far as immig- <coughs> immigration laws, every country in the world has rules that you have to either acknowledge or embrace before you become a citizen of another country. Um, having a guideline for what kind of person you want to come to your country seems wise to me. Mm-hmm. But to just open up your borders and em- embrace everybody that comes across it is not just dan- dangerous, but foolish. And to think that they'll come across with the intent to become good citizens if they have come on the... Um, false pretense or the pretense of getting free stuff and bringing their culture with them, that just doesn't seem wise to me. And wouldn't you want people who are coming here to join you in making the country better instead of becoming a weight to take the country down? 
So, so all of the, all of those, these things that we're reading about are what every other country in the world does to, to get people in. The United States has been become the only exception to this. Right. And the the reasons why can be debated. A lot of it is thought, thought that there are political powers who want to change the face of American um, citizenship and, and to dilute what it means to be American to confuse the issue of why freedom is important. So right. all of those things are, are thought why. But I, I still feel like we have the high ground as far as the message is concerned, even if someone's here illegally, if we give them a path to becoming legal and we help them understand why it's important to embrace principles around freedom, I don't think this battle is lost. Right. I, I think there, there are 11, they say, everybody has been using the, the figure of 11 million illegal immigrants in the United States since probably 1980. I don't think that's a realistic figure. So I'm guessing anywhere from 11 to 15, 11 right. to 18 million peop uh, people here illegally. Oh, there's probably much more than what they know of. Has to be yeah. at this point, because I've been hearing that 11 million figure now for at least 15 years. So. Um, and we know that immigration has, or illegal mm -hmm. immigration has spiked in just the last three years. Yes, yeah, and they're saying one to two million in the last three years right. have com come across. So, so I'm not. Uh, of course, I'm. I'm for strong borders. I'm for regulating uh, people coming in to the country. But I don't think that that it's a lost cause to make those 11 million illegals Americans. Right. And so. Right. So if they like, if they agree with these things that this is what an immigrant should but do to become a, a citizen, yeah. then yeah. of course I yeah. we would love for you to stay. But when you come here wanting to keep your own culture and keep your own laws, like they mention um, in the next page, that those who agree with the Sharia law, that that law is incompatible and in direct conflict with the U.S. Constitution, and you can't serve two masters. Like it says in, in the Bible where Jesus noted that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So you have to come into a new nation, a new country, deciding that I'm leaving my old one behind and I will only serve the one I'm in now. And, you know, you're talking about how it's not wrong to have standards for those who are moving to your country because you have to think of what is a country in the first place? What is a nation in the first place? It is a group of people of one mind, under one law, and in one culture. So if you have new people coming into it, it's no longer a group of one mind, of one culture. So to keep it a nation, you have to all be in agreement of, of certain things, if not standards. everything. Yeah. yeah, you have to have an agreement of standards. And if you don't, you're, you're setting up the the basis for conflict continually in your country. Right. So the, uh, at the bottom page, states' role in, in immigration, uh, the states took a much more uh, active role in immigration in the original, you know, in the near the founding and shortly after the founding. States were responsible for having their roles, mm. their roles for you to come to a state. So they would say that you can't apply for citizenship until you've lived here for two years or one year. Um, so they wanted people to be immersed in the culture long enough to know what it means to be an American and then 
if they understood what it meant to be American, then they could make the, the oath of citizenship right. without conflict in their conscience. And I mean, nowadays, I don't even I don't even know what the states do as far as citizenship. I'm not sure that they do. I'm not sure states are involved at all. Other, other than now trying to protect their borders on the southern states, right. I, I'm not sure that they have a, a Texas or Missouri has a uh, a path to citizenship for somebody who comes here. I'm not I'm not sure that there is a, a state a that state. has it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I assume it's like if you buy land, then you are a citizen. That's what I assume it is now. It's like if you mm -hmm. own land, then you are a citizen there. So you in that state, it, yeah, potentially, in a, yes. In a certain yeah, state. Yeah. Um, yeah, Not and you have to be a, you have to be a naturalized American citizen from the from the U.S. from the federal government. Right. So. Um, so it does say today's policy of largely largely excludes states from immigration policy, um, and that is a stark difference from how it started, and how it was successfully practiced in America at the beginning. And if you saw the on chapter eighteen, there it just goes into the fact that they even provided for sex trafficking then, they, back back in the day. So they... they right against, like an early mm -hmm. law against sex trafficking. Yep, which we've got rampantly coming across the border, apparently. Yes. Now on our southern border. So I do think it's, because that's something um, that I was exposed to at Passion, I guess, in like 2013 or 2012 when I went. It, it was all about... Um, slavery and slavery of all kinds in all places and you know in the public school system we assume that slavery has been abolished to a certain point we obviously still have civil rights issues but slavery has been abolished but then it really opened your eyes up to know like slavery is still very much a thing and like slavery labor wise financially and then also um, sex, trafficking. sex trafficking and that it is, it has a huge, there's a huge organization of it in America. Um, some of the things they mentioned about is that like the Super Bowl is a huge event for sex trafficking. People go missing all the time. It's, mm. you know, a whole bunch of people congregating in one city. And so it's really easy for people, people to go, go missing. missing. Um, and then the passion, passion was actually held in Atlanta, Georgia. And Atlanta, Georgia is one of the hubs for sex trafficking. Again, uh, just a huge city where it's easy for people to go yeah, missing. Atlanta's burgeoning. It's huge. It's mm -hmm. a huge metropolis. Mm -hmm. It's the New York City of the South. So he, he, they also mentioned that immigrants had to pay, pass a health exam and also to be able to support themselves and not be a burden or on the taxpayers or the, or the government. <clears throat> so another part of this uh, illegal immigration problem that we have is that people are coming across the border borders without any kind of health check and here 10 years ago there was a resurgence of tuberculosis in the southwest yeah. united states and a couple of cases of the plague if i'm not not mistaken this is probably about eight years ago th these are diseases that we haven't seen in a long time in a long time be because we've eradicated them in the right. united states but we've got uh, people undocumented coming across the border who haven't had a health check and are carrying the diseases from the South America, Central America, um, diseases that we don't have anymore, hadn't had anymore. Right. So another well, reason for good immigration policy. And dare I get into the COVID time period where, you know, I heard that they they weren't being tested for it, even though we had to be tested as citizens to do certain things. And they, they were getting all of these medicines like ivermectin and um, 
you know, like like you said, they weren't being tested for mm. these things, that, and then they're just released into in some cases flown to different cities around the right, country, right? Taken to different places, positive, not yeah. just all in yeah. where they entered. It it's not a it's not a the immigration policy is not being run for the benefit of the United States. No, no. I mean, I think you mentioned earlier why it's not, and I'm sure they'll get to it later in these chapters, but looking at all of these things, I, it wouldn't be a stretch to say it's because, you know, people have gone lax in these areas because they want an end result from it. They want, like you said, to change the face of America, to dilute our culture as Americans, or to harm us in, you know, where health is concerned. Hmm. Ryan, you're being awfully quiet. Do you have anything to add? Oh, just thinking another reason could be that, you know, uh, if a certain group of people in the government is telling you, come on in, we'll give you free things or better things than what you have if you vote for us, then that's a, another hmm. pretty good incentive to just bring them in willy-nilly. <clears throat> See, I, I and I, I think that's very likely the changing the democrat demographic of the country is uh, potentially an objective, but that's also another another argument that we have the high ground on. You, yeah. you don't want to you want to vote for people that are going to make the country the same place that you came from. Mm -hmm. um, vote for freedom. Vote for your own self interest. Don't don't uh, don't become here. Don't come here to be a slave to that political entity. Mm -hmm. So something it has here um, on page 72 talking about the flawed thinking on immigration is that four of um, beliefs that have a direct impact on immigration policy is a focus on groups rather than individuals with some groups races being more important than others. So identity politics, then that man is innately good, possesses good character and given the right environment will always do the same thing and that greater government involvement and regulation improves public policy. And the fourth one, immigration should use the salad bowl rather than the melting pot approach. Um, so that last one though is interesting. It talks about you know how we've always heard that America is the melting pot. But when they come with the salad bowl approach, they're trying to say that each ingredient maintains its separate identity and it's not assimilating with the other ingredients. So the melting pot was, again, where we all come together and become, like it said in the last few chapters, a new, a new man, uh, the American, that God is creating the American. But with a salad bowl, we each maintain our own identities and cultures and not assimilating and becoming one cu culture, one, one country. Yes, with the the strongest and the noblest of objectives and standards, that the, the things that call to all people, uh, the individual freedom, the right to pursue happiness, um, the, what's listed in the Declaration. All right, we have just a few minutes. Let's look at Chapter 19. It's a really short one. And it's just a snapshot of a snapshot of the United States now. Um, this is one of the most visible indicators of our current broken system is the number of illegal immigrants, which we've talked about. It, and they use the same one that you mentioned, is that is an estimated 11 million, or approximately 3.4 percent of the total population. Um, that almost 60 percent of known illegal immigrants are located in six states: California, Texas, Florida, New York, New Jersey, and Illinois. Uh, Illinois is surprising to me, but I guess yeah. I guess it's coming from from Canada. I'm assuming. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, and that seven states have actually experienced a decrease in illegal immigrants, which is Alabama, California, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, Nevada, and South Carolina. Um, and that's because of the drops in um, Mexican immigrants. Uh, and that, that there's been others that have an e increase because of immigrants from other cult countries. Um, and that for years, typically, our legal immigration problems were in southern states such as California and Texas but that the entire nation is impacted today. Um, and it's because illegal immigrants are being able to stay longer. Um, they're, you know, they're filtered through ICE and then let go and most of them don't come back for like their actual court dates. And then they're not like followed and brought back for yeah. their court dates. And that, um, and then the last thing it ends on is that it is estimated that 8 million undocumented persons are in the workforce, representing about 26% of farm workers and 15% of construction workers. Any last thoughts yes. on that? No, it, it needs a, a pretty strong consensus. I, I, I think this is something that all of us should agree on. I, I think there's just a few political bad players that are, are making this a mess. Um, I think Americans want, uh, are more than happy to open their arms to uh, people from all over the world if they're coming here to make a better life. Uh, we would encourage them and you know, make a path for them. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's the objective. Right, yeah, I think, like I said in the early laws, that was the objective, but we have lost that. Mm -hmm. Something else has become the objective. Yep. All right, well, I actually have the word of wisdom today. You go, girl. So, um, Dad has mentioned in the last few months or weeks how Jerry Jolly used to say that you can't either you can either worry or pray, don't do both. And that has kind of helped me in, in these last few weeks um, through different things. And so I kind of just made a little phrase of to avoid turning gray, like gray hair, don't worry, pray. So that's yeah. what I've been telling myself. And like if I'm having trouble sleeping. Right, exactly. That would make a t shirt. <laughs> or a good song. Okay, well, thanks, guys, for joining us tonight. Please pray for Dad that he'll be in good health and will be able to join us again next week um, and then also Sunday. Invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives and share the word on your socials. Good night. Thanks, everybody.